It's that time again, another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Masuga, and thank you all for downloading and listening to another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you have all had a great week. And speaking of week, we are one week away from Chiefs training camp kicking off in St. Joe. Uh, not a lot of Chiefs news. A couple of things going on with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are working out one player. Also news about a couple of former Chiefs. Uh, but not a whole lot going on with the Chiefs. Uh, I will say there are two Chiefs that may be under 25 team. I'll tell you who those two players are. But the main topic for today's show, I do want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they can really do compete with the best of the NFL and make a run for the Super Bowl. I know, sounds like that's the goal for every single team out there. But I think for the Chiefs, that's a very strange topic, and I'll explain why to start off the podcast. Also, never thought I would discuss this on this podcast, but we're going to talk about the Kenny Chesney concert, or more so what happened after the Kenny Chesney concert at Arrowhead Stadium. Not a very good look. For Kansas City and for Arrowhead Stadium. And I think there is a big issue that we need resolved. And again, that relates to the Kenny Chesney concert. So I'll talk about that later on as well. Also, in our closing segments, got a lot of interesting topics that I want to discuss here. One man at the gym called the police for something pretty crazy and Philadelphia Eagles fans re-celebrated their Super Bowl also David Beatty for those who don't know the only five people who know are KU football fans and well me being one of them uh but David Beatty he's the head coach for KU football he was asked what the team's win total will be this year and he had a very discouraging response for KU football fans, it pretty much makes you have another reason to want to count down to basketball season. I'll tell you what he said later on in the podcast. Like I said, a lot to get into. Very little time to waste. If you guys want to interact with me, you can do so on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzian Vasugan. That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Yes, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 And my email as well, Farzine at Farzine Vasugian. And if you haven't, hit subscribe on iTunes and Google Play, whichever you prefer. Hit the share button and let your friends know about this podcast as well. I know when I mentioned this shortly after the conference championship games and when the Super Bowl was, was set in Minnesota... I think a lot of Chiefs fans were discouraged by this. I remember, basically the stat I'm referring to is the fact that the Chiefs have defeated six of the eight teams that eventually played in the Super Bowl in the past four years. The Chiefs beat them the same year they went on to play in the Super Bowl. Obviously defeating a lot of uh, Super Bowl winners. I remember in 2014 it was... The Chiefs defeated the Patriots and the Seahawks. Both had number one seeds going into the playoffs. And both of them made it to the Super Bowl. And I remember a lot of Chiefs fans 
were bragging over the fact that, well, the Chiefs defeated both the, both of these teams, and I thought, why does this matter? Why are Chiefs fans making a big deal out of this? Because at the end of the day, the Chiefs they didn't even make the playoffs that year. The following season, uh, I don't have off the top of my head who it was the Chiefs defeated as they eventually went on to play in the Super Bowl in 2050. Oh, it was the Denver Broncos, now that I think of it. The Chiefs defeated the Broncos once, lost to them in Week 2. And then in 2016, the Chiefs defeated the Atlanta Falcons on the road. They eventually went to play the Patriots, and we all know that was a very hapless second half for the Falcons in their epic collapse. And then last season, the Chiefs defeated both the Patriots and the Eagles in the first two weeks of the season. And people wanted to bring up the Eagles, the fact that Jay Ajayi was not on the team at the time. Well, Carson Wentz was on the team at the time, and he was a big reason why the Eagles had a number one seed going into the playoffs. Now, sure, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl MVP, great and all. Uh, but look, Owen is a win. You never apologize for winning. And the fact is, the Chiefs did defeat the two teams that went on to play in the Super Bowl and did so in the first two games of the season. And I remember when the Patriots, when the Chiefs defeated the Patriots in that shocking fourth quarter, shutting them out 21 to nothing, the Chiefs social media team put out a graphic on on all of their social media pages. Basically, it was a graphic showing that the Chiefs have defeated some of the more recent Super Bowl participants. Such as, obviously, defeating the Patriots, uh, who were in uh, the previous Super Bowl against the Obviously, at the time, they, there was no way of knowing 100% for a fact that they'd make it to the Super Bowl this past season. But they put the uh, uh, Super Bowl emblem next to each team who the Chiefs defeated that were recent Super Bowl participants, such as the Falcons, obviously. they The Chiefs defeated them late in 2016, also defeated the Panthers, who were coming off uh, a Super Bowl, uh, and, and, and not a Super Bowl win, but uh, an NFC Championship win. So the Chiefs have faced a lot of good teams, and have defeated them. They've beaten some of the best, but for whatever reason, at the end of the day, in January, the Chiefs aren't winning football games. They only had one win, and that was against Houston, and that was, of course, the long drought, that long playoff drought that the Chiefs finally snapped. But, man, even even at home, the Chiefs cannot catch a break in the playoffs. They lost to a kicker. Well, essentially, Le'Veon Bell and a kicker in uh, the playoff loss against the Steelers. In the playoff loss against the Titans, a team that a lot of people were shocked to see in the playoffs in the first place, given Marcus Mariota's really bad season. Kind of a quiet one, too. I don't think a lot of people realized how bad of a season he was having because it wasn't really talked about as much. Especially by the national media. And we all know what happened in that football game. And listen, you guys know me. I'm not making any, any excuse about the officiating or Travis Kelsey's injury. That that lead right there at home, you do not blow that lead. You have pro bowlers at running back, at quarterback, at uh, at wide receiver and Tyreek Hill. And I know this defense wasn't very good last year, but historically speaking, I mean, this defense has been one of the best. You have Marcus Peters. You had a guy like Darrell Rivas who 
you know, according to reports, he knew this defense like the back of his hand, but for whatever reason, just didn't do so well. Uh, and that's what the co- coaches were telling reporters. Uh, you had Justin Houston. I mean, look, you had a lot of great players, too. So I'm not making any excuses about officiating in that football game. They only cost the team one field goal, essentially. And that's not enough to let officials completely take over a football game. You get the idea, though. The Chiefs are dominating some of these great elite teams in the regular season. We saw what they did to the Patriots on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead in 2014. Everyone was talking about when Tom Brady was going to hang it up after that game. Even people in New in Boston. Sports talk radio shows in Boston were losing their mind because the Chiefs just shellacked the Patriots in that football game. And then later that season, the Chiefs defeated the reigning Super Bowl champions at the time, also went on to play in the Super Bowl once again, the Seattle Seahawks. And we all know that the Chiefs, obviously, last year, they opened up the NFL season uh, with probably the most shocking start to a season ever. And if I'm not mistaken, that's either the first or the second ever game. And ever since the NFL, in the past 10 or 11 years, they have decided to have the reigning champions host the kickoff game. It's only happened, I believe, twice now that the reigning champions suffer a loss uh, to open up the season. So the Chiefs are capable of not just playing hard and competing with some of the best, not just beating them, but beating the living hell out of them. We've seen it. And I remember listening to Sports Talk Radio in Boston the morning after uh, the Chiefs pulled off that upset last year. I can't remember which radio station it was, but I really wanted their perspective because a lot of them were pretty shocked by this. And one, uh, one radio host in Boston mentioned that the last time they remember the Patriots getting blown out like that was against the same exact team in the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the only team in the NFL in recent memory that are even capable of blowing out the Patriots. So the Chiefs are capable of not just winning, but winning big against some of these top-tier teams. But for whatever reason, go back to 2014 when the Chiefs beat the reigning champions in the Seattle Seahawks. Five days later on Thursday Night Football, what do they do? They lose to a winless Raiders team. And again, don't make any excuses about Thursday Night Football and going on the road. The Chiefs have won on Thursday Night Football on the road before. Many teams win on just five days notice on the road for Thursday Night Football. And, and people will complain, about they'll make excuses for anything. But at the end of the day, we all talk about how home field advantage is such a big deal in the NFL. Personally, I don't think it's as big as some try to make it out to be. But fans fans love it. They think it's it's, it's a great advantage for teams. And look, I, I, I certainly do agree. I think some stadiums out there, not all, uh, but I think some teams, some fan bases, they do provide that. Uh, 12th man advantage, and Kansas City's of course known for that, Seattle for a while was known for that, uh, several other teams out there known for that as well, Pittsburgh, Denver, 
Um, if you're the teams, uh, Green Bay, of course. That's not the point, though. The point is, you lost to a winless team just after beating Seattle. Now, I know there was some crazy statistic that year about how uh, NFL teams, uh, uh, the first eight weeks of the season, uh, when facing the Seahawks, lose the following week, and there was some weird uh, scientific research done, I guess, that Seattle apparently wears out teams. I don't even buy that for one minute. I, I honestly think that is just a big coincidence that teams lose after playing, whether they won against them or not, uh, after playing Seattle that year. I don't know exactly who who was able to, who, who really figured that one out. You must have done a lot of research to even discover that fact. Uh, but I don't think it has anything to do with Seattle, quote-unquote, wearing teams out for their following game. No, not at all. But anyway, you get the idea. In 2014, the Chiefs did beat a great team in the Seahawks. And then they uh, they, they just flat-out drop against the Raiders. Look at this year. The Chiefs obviously beat the two teams that eventually went to play in the Super Bowl. But what happened to them during the season? They lost in overtime to the New York Giants. So, and we all know about Kansas City's really crazy midseason collapse. Whatever happened there, thankfully they were able to rebound from that. But at the end of the day... This Chiefs team doesn't have any consistency. You want to sit here and talk about how the Chiefs are beating some of the best teams in the NFL? They absolutely are. They've crushed the Patriots a couple of times in recent memory in the regular season. They've beaten the Eagles. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Panthers coming off an NFC Championship run nearly going undefeated in the regular season. Went 15-1 and And then their only other loss was in the Super Bowl. Now I know the following season was just a it was a complete opposite year for the Panthers, but nonetheless, the Chiefs came back in that football game, winning without an offensive touchdown. So uh, no win is ever easy in the National Football League, including a win like that right there. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs will give their fan base a great fan base. All this hope, and it's false hope at the end of the day. Because what good is your team if you can beat the Patriots and the uh, the Seahawks, but lose to a winless team shortly after defeating the reigning champions? And of course, this year, opening up the season in the most shocking start to an NFL season ever, but you eventually... After a 5-0 start and being the last team to lose an NFL game, you lose, what was it, I think, five of the next, or six of the next seven. And that included a loss in overtime to the New York Giants. One of the worst teams in the NFL this season. And of course, we saw what happened to them in in that in the playoff game. Well, I, I think both playoff games should be mentioned in, in this instance with how they looked against... The Steelers and against the Titans. I don't know exactly where to put my finger on all this trouble here. Because this is a football team 
the past 20 some odd years, they've had great players at every position, at quarterback, running back, offensive, some of the best offensive linemen to ever play in the NFL, receivers, tight ends. You want to look at the defensive side? They've had so many great pass rushers, so many great interior defensive linemen and linebackers, so many great defensive backs. And, of course, a lot of great players on special teams as well. One of the more better punters in the NFL on Dustin Colquitt. Uh, you know, Ryan Suckup, he broke uh, some franchise records. Then Cairo Santos broke a few franchise records. And now Harrison Butker broke uh, a franchise and an NFL record for most field goals made in a regular season by a rookie. And, but no, not only that, the Chiefs have had some of the best coaches. During these past 20 some odd years. Andy Reid. Dick Vermeil, And if you want to go with assistant coaches. Charlie Weiss. Romeo Crennel, Al Saunders. And a couple of recent coaches. Who now have had coaching gigs. Doug Peterson obviously just won a Super Bowl. Matt Nagy now with the Chicago Bears. And a lot of optimism there. And the progress of, of the Chicago Bears. Especially with Mitchell Trubisky. Emmett Thomas, don't forget about him, of course, still with the team. And I know Bob Sutton's not a very liked coach, but people in the national media, uh, former coaches and players who are part of the media, they have a lot of great things to say about him, and they're they're actually pretty shocked at some of the response that Bob Sutton gets from Chiefs fans. So, again, that's a topic for another time. My point is, the Chiefs have had so many great players And so many great coaches come and leave Kansas City. But this team, they'll have some great regular season wins. They they started 9-0 in 2003. They started 9-0 in 2013 in that remarkable turnaround in Andy Reid's first year. Also started 3-0, the last team to lose a game in 2010, and the last team to lose a game this past year. Four times, the four times since 2003... The Chiefs were the last football team to lose a game. They didn't win a single playoff game. Oddly enough, the only time the Chiefs won a playoff game in these past 25, 24 years, however many years it's been, was the year they started 1-5. and And I don't know exactly what happened. I, I think the schedule getting easy was one thing. The second half didn't really look easy, but you had a lot of injuries here or there. Again, I said earlier, you never apologize for winning in the National Football League. You you don't you don't care about what issues opposing teams are dealing with, whether they're just having a really weird uh year uh stepping back or if they're just dealing with a lot of injuries. That's not your problem. That is something you take advantage of. And listen, when the Chiefs were bad from 2007 through 2012, either just playing poorly or dealing with a lot of injuries, teams took advantage of that. They never apologized for for beating the Chiefs. So at the end of the day, the Chiefs have had all of these great players, and especially in recent memory, uh, I I think what you're seeing under Andy Reid, making in in five years under Andy Reid, the Chiefs have made the playoffs four times. This is the most hope This is the best chance the Chiefs have had to a Super Bowl since Marty Schottenheimer. And look, Dick Vermeil had a lot of great years, but the Chiefs only went to the playoffs once with Dick Vermeil. I'm not exactly sure 
what the problem is here. I think overconfidence could be a very big one. We know Andy Reid, and again, I'm not blaming Andy Reid because I know this has happened with past coaches too. You know, you have good regular seasons, but then you just fall flat in the playoffs. But I think, you know, we're just obviously focused on the now. Andy Reid, I think, has a big overconfidence issue when it comes to the playoffs. He really is one of the best coaches in NFL history. He really is. And I've said this before. I think it's just an unfortunate fact that, that Chiefs fans have to accept. Marty Schottenheimer and Andy Reid, they very well could be. This is, of course, assuming Andy Reid ends out his career like this. They could be the two best coaches in NFL history to not win a championship. That's a possibility. And both of them coached in Kansas City. Let me know your thoughts on this. Facebook.com slash Farzian Twitter.com slash Farzian 21. You guys can email me as well. Farzian at Farzianvasugian.com. What happens at the end of the regular season to the start of the playoffs? What happens at the end of December or early January uh, into the second week of January when the Chiefs just cannot turn it up and continue to keep that ball rolling? Now listen, I know this year is going to be a new year. A lot lot of people want to make sure Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to do the things that Alex Smith was able to do, but maybe even do a better job of that. Now, some people out there are sold on Mahomes. They think he can do no wrong, and he's going to be uh, the Messiah for Kansas City. I mean, slow down if, if you think that, because this guy is a rookie quarterback. I know he's not eligible for Rookie of the Year. This is actually his second year. I get that, folks. Uh, and I'm just clearing myself up for uh, the Twitter police out there. But he is a rookie this year. I've called him a redshirt rookie all offseason. That's the truth with Patrick Mahomes going into 2018. You want to make sure that he's able to do the things that you're asking him to do. And not only that, you want to make sure that if you do so well in the regular season, if the Chiefs can finish with 10, 11, 12, or more wins, carry that success over to the regular season and continue playing good football in January. But they haven't been able to do that. And it's hard to explain why. I'll tell you what, if if the Chiefs do, and I have a lot of confidence in Andy Reid. Listen, like I said, I know we can come on here and be picky about every little thing Andy Reid does with play calling and how he's negligent sometimes after he he doesn't uh, run certain plays or give the ball to certain players when he should have, I get that. Or if he should have, or he should be handing play calling duties to an offensive coordinator. At the end of the day, ever since Marty Schottenheimer was let go by the Chiefs, which which coach has given this franchise the best chance at winning a Super Bowl? It's been Andy Reid. It's been Andy Reid. I know Dick Vermeil won a Super Bowl uh, fairly recently. Uh, you know, did so in '99 with the Rams, and then came to Kansas City and even brought a quarterback who he had familiarity with in St. Louis. I get that part, but again, you only went to the playoffs once with Dick Vermeil. With Andy Reid, you made it four times, and the one time where the Chiefs missed it, man, if they could have. Just done a better job during that three-game losing streak and not lose to 
teams that had unknown running backs running all over the Chiefs or maybe not get off to an 0-2 start that 2014 season, the Chiefs probably make the playoffs all five seasons under Andy Reid. This is the best. Here's my thing, and I and I say I say this a lot with Bill Self. You guys know me. I've been very critical of Bill Self. I've always said he's an overrated head coach because of his performance in March, although this past year did a much better job for sure. But here's what I always say about Bill Self. I never I've never entertained the idea of firing him because if you're going to fire someone, you have to absolutely bring someone better. And the case with Andy Reid, sure we can Complain all we want about some of the issues he has. Who are you going to bring that does a better job? And I've, I mentioned this on social media a couple of times. Somebody said, well, we had Doug Peterson when we could have promoted him. Folks, at the time, and by the way, people are saying this after Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. No one said this before. No one was saying this when the Eagles blew a, a great start to their 2016 season under Doug Peterson. But ever since the Eagles won a Super Bowl, a lot of Chiefs fans out there have been saying we should have promoted Doug Peterson. Folks, when Andy Reid started 1-5 and and turned that football team around, and I'm sure Doug Peterson's play calling, he got the play calling duties that had a big part to do with it. But when Andy Reid coaches the franchise to its first playoff win in 22 years, and you want to hit the rewind button and consider the idea of firing him? I don't think I can buy that. I really don't. Listen, I, I, and I'm not saying take credit away from Doug Peterson, but I think he gets a little too much credit in the fact that, listen, when Carson Wentz went down, every single person doubted the Eagles. I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans even checked out. Eagles, The Eagles were an underdog by Vegas Sportsbooks in every playoff game last season. You can't sit here and tell me that promoting Doug Peterson to be a head coach and firing Andy Reid after bringing your first uh, playoff win in 22 years was a logical idea. Now, if we could hit the rewind button and if we knew for sure that Doug Peterson would bring you a Super Bowl, obviously not a realistic thing, then yeah, I guess we, we could do that. Uh, but obviously it's impossible to know if Matt Nagy's going to win a Super Bowl in, in, in Chicago. There's no way of knowing that. If Bob Sutton, if Bob Sutton got let go right now, and if he won a Super Bowl, I'm a very hypothetical situation, folks, but if he won a, if he was a head coach and won a Super Bowl elsewhere, I guarantee you those same people would be talking about how the Chiefs should have promoted uh, Bob Sutton when those are also the same people who have been attacking Bob Sutton. I, I'm, I'm not entertaining the discussion of promoting Doug Peterson at the time because that was not, everyone would have criticized the move at the time. And listen, here's another thing to consider. Doug Peterson built his own football team in Philadelphia. It's, it's not for sure certain that with the same roster in Kansas City, with what you have now, Doug Peterson could have done it. I'm not saying he's not capable of winning a Super Bowl, but there's just no way of knowing for sure if that could have happened. Everyone wants to play the hypothetical, what if we should have done this? There's no way of knowing for sure if it would have gone your way, even if you did promote Peterson, which would have been a very lousy move and one that would have a lot of people scratching their heads. The fact of the matter is, and I know I got off off topic there a little bit, 
But this Chiefs football team needs to figure out why in the hell do they dominate in the regular season against some great teams, but then they just flat out suck in the second half of, of some of these other games in the playoffs. That's a very frustrating thing. That's why people are, are starting to say that the Chiefs are giving their fans false hope. And that's absolutely true. Yes, there are teams out there that are just absolutely bad in the NFL. But I think being a Chiefs fan is the hardest because the Chiefs have created that that personality of, of ha- being the loudest fans in the NFL. It's on the Guinness World Record books. And a lot of opposing NFL players have even said that about Arrowhead. And what do the Chiefs do to return the favor? Nothing. Uh, you know, sell out crowds in, in, in back-to-back postseason games. And you reward your fan base with a very heartbreaking loss each time. And that 100% has to change. Speaking of events at Arrowhead Stadium, there was the Kenny Chesney concert that took place uh, this past weekend. Uh, now look, I'm, I'm not here to talk about the concert. Uh, I'm, I want to talk more so about what happened afterwards. There was a photo, and I posted this on the Facebook page. This went viral on social media. Arrowhead's parking lot looked like a complete disaster. And I know I say this jokingly when I make references to this, but the photo of Arrowhead's parking lot looked like it was a scene from The Walking Dead. There was just trash everywhere. It looked like people just abandoned. Now, there are a lot of people in the pictures, but if you could Photoshop all the people out and just look at the trash, it really does look like a, a scene that uh, Andrew Lincoln was, was a part of on The Walking Dead. That's what the photo looks like. Trash everywhere. Bags of trash everywhere. And a lot of people responded by saying, well, if if parking wasn't so high, maybe people wouldn't do this. And I think that's a terrible excuse to just throw out your trash in the parking lot like that. And by the way, the comment section got really crazy. Uh, the, by the way, the, the, this went viral, by the way, on, on my page as well. Uh, a lot of people shared it. A lot of people commented uh, people who don't even like the page even uh, participated in the discussion. Uh, people are were talking about how uh, you know it, it's uh, it's uh, country fans who do this. It, it's it's Midwesterners. Uh, it's 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 Trump support. Like I, I don't even know how, but Donald Trump somehow got into discussion about trash being thrown at Arrowhead. Folks, Donald Trump doesn't even. He's too busy trying to figure out the difference between would and wouldn't. And if you don't understand what I'm referring to. Go watch the news. This is not a country music thing. This is not a political thing. This is, and I understand that, you know, for games, concerts, there are people from out of town who come in here. But for the most part, a lot of people at that Kenny Chesney concert are from Kansas City. This is Kansas City's fault. The people who paid a ticket to go attend the concert, they are the ones to blame for this. This is completely inexcusable and unacceptable. From who I assume a lot of people are Chiefs fans, by the way. Let's just be honest. A lot of people from Kansas City were at the concert. I'm sure a lot of them are Chiefs fans. And by the way, this doesn't just impact the Chiefs. This also impacts the Royals as well because they share a parking lot together at the Truman Sports Complex. Now, listen, one of two things will happen. The Chiefs are going to look at this incident. They're not going to be too happy about this. And they'll do two things. Number one, they'll say, look, if this continues to happen after concerts... We're going to stop 
bringing concerts at Arrowhead because a lot of the people that we pay to pick up the trash, they're not willing to pick them all up because they don't get paid well enough to pick up this much trash. I don't think they'd go that route. There's a lot of money to be lost if they don't do concerts anymore. But that's a possibility there. Listen, Arrowhead, ever since they renovated that stadium, they have done a lot there. They've uh, they've had a lot of concerts, a lot of, a lot of big-name celebrities there. Um, I know Kenny Chesney. Uh, uh, boy, Metallica, I believe, was there. U2 was there last season. Uh, I know Taylor Swift was there. I can't remember if I mentioned her or not. Uh, gosh, there's a very old band from the 80s I, or 70s. I cannot remember the name, but they were at Arrowhead. I think either last year or the year before, but you get it. A lot of a lot of activities there. Uh, you're seeing more college football games take place at Arrowhead Stadium. They want to use Arrowhead Stadium for FIFA soccer games in a few years. Uh, I know there was a there was a Top Golf event at Arrowhead Stadium that took place, which which sounds pretty cool if you've ever been to Top Golf. So you definitely don't want to. Have the Chiefs look at this and say, look, if this continues, we're not going to put on concerts or other additional shows ever again. Again, I don't think they go that route. The other thing that could happen if this continues to be an issue, if you want to complain about the price of parking, well, uh, if they if people continue to leave out trash like this, they're going to tack on another 10 bucks because they've got to pay people to... And pay them the right amount, too, to pick up all of that trash out there. I don't know whatever happened. And by the way, is there some blame from the Chiefs slash Arrowhead? Perhaps because were there a lot of public trash cans available? That I don't know. But I don't think that's a valid reason for people to leave their trash the way they did. I mean, if if the dumpster is full, hey, just leave it right next to it. Certainly a lot. Well, first of all, you can tell people didn't even make that attempt because they're in the middle of the parking lots. All the trash, that is. I think it's completely unacceptable. It just looks very bad. You know, on Chiefs fans, on Kansas City, on the Chiefs, on everybody. And there's no excuse for this. Leave the trash, if the dumpster is full, just leave it on the ground next to it. I'm sure, you know, crew workers in the area will say, okay, we, we should probably provide more uh, more trash cans next time. But at least people have the courtesy to leave it next to it rather than have it scattered throughout parking lots at the Truman Sports Complex. And listen, the Royals, uh, I believe the Royals had their first ever concert in a long time recently. And they do some other events. At Coffin Stadium too, they're just not highly uh, promoted or or well known uh, in the community so much. But uh, if the, I'm sure the Royals will look at that too and say, "Hey, look, we we don't like what what happened here. Our parking lot got impacted by this as well." I don't know if there is a quote unquote designated parking lot that belongs to the Royals and one that belongs to the Chiefs. At the end of the day, they all end up getting used, especially if there's a sellout crowd at the K. I know when there's a sellout crowd at the K, not every spot is is, is uh, filled, uh, not every parking spot that is, uh, simply because what Coffin Stadium can fill up is half of Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, but you guys get the idea. It's not too hard to throw away your trash at the right place. 
And if this happens again, I'm sure the Chiefs will reconsider how they want to go about things. And I think more likely than not, they'll just tack on another 10, 15, 20 bucks to parking. And at the end of the day, if you want to throw your trash, fine. They got a big portion of your parking lot money. And they'll be able to pay off whoever they they, they pay, uh, all their crew workers, and picking up all of this trash overnight. A lot of people know about the NFL protests, the rule change to that. Titans defensive end Jarrell Casey said he will protest during the anthem and take the fine, essentially breaking the rule, but has no issues being fined for it. And I assure you, he's not the only one who is willing to do so. And by the way, there was that uh, that report from Sean King earlier this offseason that a lot of players were threatening to hold out if Colin Kaepernick was not signed by a team. Look, these players have families, uh, their own personal lives. There's so much money to be lost if they don't play. I don't think a lot of players are going to do that, but I think a lot of them are going to speak up for Kaepernick and try to get him back in the league. By continuing to protest and break the rules. You think a, a rule on a piece of paper is really going to solve all of this? I mean, if, if all of these NFL players are going to pitch in, they'll all gladly take the fine, just like Jarrell Casey. And it's going to be interesting to see if this happens in Kansas City. I know Marcus Peters was well known for this, but we all know he got traded away to the LA Rams. So, uh, you know, as far as some of the other players... On the team, we know Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Justin Houston. They they were known for for protesting uh, some in, uh, in in multiple games last year. Uh, a lot of people did it the week after Donald Trump took a big shot at the NFL. So uh, we're not exactly sure where things stand with all thirty two teams, but I can assure you that what Jarrell Casey's doing, I'm sure a lot of a lot of other players are going to join in as well. And it really takes one person. To make a stand like this and to try to rally up the troops to also do the same thing. So at the end of the day, and I know a lot of people don't like this topic and they don't like seeing the protests. I certainly don't as well. I rather, I, I certainly would rather not even be discussing this and wish that this wasn't an issue. But the fact is, uh, NFL, NFL players really want to make a stand. I don't know if any of you guys saw this, and by the way, it seems like everything's being recorded nowadays, which is a good thing. If if there's trouble that's taking place, it absolutely needs to be documented for for proof. Uh, But there's a video that went viral a couple of weeks ago of an African-American man. He looks like he was either in his teens or early 20s, but he's, he's obeying the police officer's commands here, and the police officer... Uh, taste him. He's just sitting on the curb with his hands out, everything, and he pulled the trigger, uh, tasing this guy here. Folks, that right there is a huge reason why these protests are happening. I'm sick and tired of people who are who are trying to play the other card and say, oh, well, they're disrespecting the country and they're, they're protesting police. They're, uh, they're, they're just being disrespectful to the flag. They're protesting America. No, that's not why they're protesting. And, you know, as the United States of America, you know, what's, what's supposed to be a strong, the strongest nation out there, you're never going to find solutions 
if you're going to pretend like you don't even want to acknowledge the real reason why players are protesting. Just putting that out there. I know we've discussed this a lot. Uh, I know it's not a very popular subject, but I do want to put, point that out there that, you know, with one player doing this, and I'm sure other players have had this in mind, uh, this whole battle between the NFL, the players, the protesting, and with Donald Trump and uh, Mike Pence, uh, you know, th- their involvement in this as well as they've been very vocal about this. This is far, far from over. If you think a rule in the offseason about how players need to either stand or stay in the locker room is going to stop this, uh, you're, you're out of your mind. There's no way that t- that players are just going to obey this rule uh, when, when it's a peaceful protest. Then um, I'm sure the players are going to continue to do their thing. few bits of Chiefs news to talk about before we go to our closing segments. The Kansas City Chiefs worked out rookie running back Martavius Carter, who was not taken in the supplemental draft. And a very interesting fact about him, uh, Carter is the all-time leading rusher for Grand Valley State, despite missing his upcoming senior season, for which he was declared ineligible. Uh, he's had 36 rushing touchdowns in 36 career games for the Grand Valley State Lakers, which is a, a player who, in uh, Brandon Carr, who the Chiefs drafted in 2008 in the fifth round. Obviously had a great career here in Kansas City, now at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he set a career record with 3,728 rushing yards on 513 carries, uh, and that, lead, le- that led to an average of 7.2 yards per carry. Doing so, being ineligible for his senior season. And that's impressive. And again, keep in mind, this is Division II football. Not every D2 football player, their statistics carry over to the NFL, but some, uh, some of those non-D1 players... Uh, end up even making it in the NFL and end up doing some special things out there. Look at Tony Romo. Uh, look at Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the, you know the start he got uh, before transferring. A lot of players out there have uh, made a big impact in the NFL, coming from smaller schools. So certainly worth keeping an eye on to see uh, what the Chiefs want to do with Martavius Carter, especially that crowded backfield right now. You've got Spencer Ware, you've got Chark Kendrick West, guys who have been key contributors in past seasons, although Spencer Ware did suffer that injury, so you wonder if he'll be the same Spencer Ware as he was before the ACL tear. And the Chiefs did bring in guys like Kerwin Williams and Damian Williams, guys who are not necessarily roster bubble guys. These are guys who can provide depth on all 32 rosters. At the running back position. They absolutely can. So this is going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs want to do with Martavius Carter. Bring in, bring in another running back. And uh, what do the Chiefs do from there? Who are they going to put out there behind Kareem Hunt? Are they going to put three back backup running backs? Four, four backup running backs? Bringing a total of five? I don't know. Uh, going to be very interesting to see what Andy Reid and the offensive coaching staff want to do. In training camp, and once training camp uh, concludes, and when it's time to make that roster cut to 53. Darrell Revis, former Chiefs cornerback, briefly with the Chiefs, of course, last season. He announced his retirement after 11 years in the NFL. One of the more dominant cornerbacks in the NFL. Long time with the Jets on two different stints. Uh, always was able to step up to the challenge. Uh, of course, a very difficult position to play in the NFL, the cornerback position. But always did well against some of the best cornerbacks and guys like Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I mean, so many great players out there uh, that Darrell Rivas went up against. And I was pretty disappointed that he he couldn't have that success in Kansas City. I was really hoping 
that he and Marcus Peters, that they could have been the two cornerbacks for Kansas City going into 2018. And that, you know, with his familiarity with Bob Sutton, whether you like Bob Sutton or not, a full offseason, I'm, I'm sure, could have done a lot for Darrell Rivas, but unfortunately, the Chiefs didn't feel that would be the case, and they let him go. They traded away Marcus Peters, and instead, your cornerbacks this year, underrated cornerbacks, don't get me wrong, but they're going to be Kendall Fuller and David Amerson, in which, look, I mean, there's a potential that we have discussed already, uh, but that is the situation the Chiefs have. Uh, very crazy how fast uh, things change sometimes. You go from Marcus Peters to uh, Marcus Peters and Darrell Rivas, excuse me, to Amerson and Fuller uh, in just one offseason like that, which just shows you, uh, you know, the business side of things, uh, what you've got to consider. Of course, the payroll, of course, that fits into the business side of things and uh, how important that that is. And uh, so the decision making that takes place. So Darrell Rivas, very good career. Unfortunately, not a memorable one in Kansas City, uh, but accomplished a lot in his NFL career and was able to spend some time briefly with Kansas City. Uh, one other uh, piece of, uh, actually, a couple of uh, other stories involving the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill and Harrison Butker made the under 25 team, uh, which was put together, uh, I, I believe, by the NFL. Uh, very cool to see Tyreek Hill on this list. I'm sure a lot of people would have expected Kareem Hunt, given the fact that he was coming off a season where he led the league in rushing. I'm sure he was in consideration, strong consideration. For that list, a lot of people wondered if Patrick Mahomes would made would have made the list. Uh, but you've got to be able to play at least. You know, you could easily if you want to put Patrick Mahomes on the list, then there's probably a strong case as to why Baker Mayfield could have been on that list. So uh, certainly, you you've got to have at least some proven quarterbacks during their short period of time in the NFL. Uh, and I say short period of time because it is the under 25 team. Uh, but I'm sure Pat Mahomes. If he can have a very good season, he would be on the same list one year from now. Final topic to discuss, and a bit of a sad news here. Uh, so, thoughts and prayers go out to Albert Lewis, a former Chiefs cornerback uh, who is in critical care. He was, of course, one of the few highlights for the Chiefs in the 80s. Uh, his exact condition uh, or cause are unknown at the moment. But uh, KSLA in Louisiana uh, is reporting that he's under critical condition, was rushed to a hospital in Louisiana. And uh, as of right now, it's not exactly known uh, what the problem is or how long he'll be in the hospital for. But uh, Albert Lewis, uh, former Chiefs player who, uh, uh, again, one of the better cornerbacks in Chiefs history, uh, he is uh, currently in the hospital. So well wishes with him and hopefully... Uh, doctors there can take care of him and help him and uh, get him out of the hospital in uh, in good condition as soon as possible. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers unable to agree to a new deal, unable to agree on an extension. And now a lot of people are wondering what happens next with Le'Veon Bell. He can either sign a one-year deal, play on the, the tag, or just sit out the entire season. And look, no one's going to sit out in anything like this. No one's going to miss out on the millions of dollars. He's going to be a top five paid player. I was listening to an interview on SiriusXM and Le'Veon Bell's agent 
he spoke uh, in an interview and he mentioned that Le'Veon Bell has not participated in any offseason practices this past year nor the year before and he said that equates uh, all of those offseason practices equates to about one year of playing football and he mentioned that especially at the running back position with every carry in the uh, the, the gradual pain and how taxing it can be on the knee and all that's a good thing for Le'Veon Bell not participating because he adds another good year and I know a lot of people think one year is one year well uh, in the NFL uh, one year is a is a lot for running backs in the NFL uh, I mean look at look what happened with uh, DeMarco Murray who recently retired uh, and probably sooner than how early running backs retired 10 years ago you don't really see that with running backs back then. Now you're starting to see a lot of running backs, even with a lot of teams trying to split duties between two backs. A lot of them are retiring maybe a little bit sooner than expected. And you look at Le'Veon Bell's case, not practicing in the past couple of off seasons, maybe gives him a big advantage to have another great year. And by next year, he's going to test the market. And his agent made it clear that he could get the deal that he wants next year if the Steelers aren't giving him that deal, which they would have by now, another team out there will absolutely do so. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Le'Veon Bell does uh, this year and how teams are going to approach free agency and uh, you know how, how negotiations, are, are negotiations are going to go with his agent next offseason. And you want to talk about the franchise tag, no deal for these guys. The Cowboys and defensive end Demarcus Lawrence... The Lions and defensive end Ziggy Ansah unable to come to an agreement. Same for the Rams and safety LaMarcus Joyner, who's part of a big defensive backfield. And I wonder if the Rams are trying to prepare long-term to try to keep guys that they recently acquired, like Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. But it also makes you wonder, Adam Schefter mentioned something very interesting. He tweeted, in addition to a lot of these guys not getting new deals with their teams, that's a good thing for the upcoming draft class in 2019, and they have a lot of value now. And that's kind of interesting. I never looked at it that way before, but if you if you see, especially with these positions at defensive end, you you can certainly guarantee that if the Cowboys and Lions can't retain uh, the, the guys who they had with the franchise tag to Marcus Lawrence and Ziggy Ansah, respectively, well, maybe they do target a defensive end in next year's draft to try to fill in that void. That they could potentially lose. So very interesting take by Adam Schefter. And I certainly think he's onto something when he mentions that next year's draft class has more value after the franchise tag deadline passed just recently. And final topic I want to discuss, a lot of people talking about Terrell Owens not attending the Hall of Fame ceremony. I know uh, one of the uh, managers for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame mentioned that Terrell Owens, uh, they'll continue to invite him this weekend or, or, or for the uh, uh, for the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony weekend uh, and will continue to invite him even afterwards, uh, but they will not individually honor him. And Michael Irvin, uh, he backs the Hall of Fame's decision to not recognize him uh, for the Hall of Fame festivities on August 4th and 5th. And he was quoted saying, we can't spend this moment for all these other guys talking about the guy that is not here. And he's absolutely right. He makes a valid point there. Owens, on the other hand, not happy that he wasn't elected to the Hall of Fame on his first season of eligibility. 
he announced last month he wouldn't attend on uh, on the uh, weekend of festivities. Instead, he will give a speech at Tennessee Chattanooga, his alma mater, that same weekend. It, listen, if you're Terrell Owens, you can't hold the Hall of Fame accountable because you didn't get in uh, as a first ballot Hall of Fame. Let me just say this. Look at all the Chiefs Hall of F- the Chiefs players who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Be honest, how many of you guys truly know if any of those guys made it as first ballot Hall of Famers or not? I know that word gets brought up a lot and more more so when a player of any sport gets inducted uh the year of and they'll say, "Well, this guy he's 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 it's his first time in the ballot and he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer." 10 years from now, you don't hear people saying that so-and-so was a first ballot. Some people might say that, but not a lot of people. You you don't get remembered for being a first ballot Hall of Famer. You get remembered for how well you did. And listen, all of these players eligible to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, they all have had great careers. Not one guy is better than the other. Maybe people think Terrell Owens, and yes, Terrell Owens, statistically amazing career. One of the best wide receivers probably behind Jerry Rice. But that doesn't mean that everyone else on this list, or, or less in past years, never deserved it. There's a long list of players, again, all with decorated careers. Imagine if every NFL player that eventually got into the Hall of Fame, if it took them a long time, they decided to do the same thing and hold the NFL uh, Hall of Fame, account, or Pro Football Hall of Fame, excuse me, accountable, and decide to not go in or not participate because how long it took them to get in. And I think a lot of people, here's the other thing, because of recency, people remember Terrell Owens way more than they remember some of the past other players and so because of that, they, they they feel so strongly for Terrell Owens as to why he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Folks, D- Derek Thomas took a long it took a long time for him to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There were a lot of great guys that he was going up against. And it took some of them also years to get in. So uh, we get too caught up in all of this. The pe- a lot of the people that you see who are on these lists who are eligible. Maybe they don't, they don't get in this year, but eventually they all will. They, I mean, they have to at some point. And again, I'm not going to remember any of them for how quick or how long it took them to get into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to remember them for how great of a career they had. That's what we need to remember them for. Not whether or not they were first ballot Hall of Famers or not. I think that's too ridiculous to get caught up in, especially when it's a moment to honor the success that these players had in their playing careers for the most popular sport in this country. Let's go out of bounds. Here is a guy who is a loser of epic proportions, a man at a gym, and I don't know where this happened. The story did not specify this on Sports Illustrated. But somebody on uh, Twitter took a picture of all of this. But a guy at a gym calls the police, which a couple of police officers arrived at the scene, and I say the word scene loosely, because he took a hard foul during a pickup basketball game. Folks, 
the, this guy at a gym, and I get it. People at the gym, they're pissed off. They they, they want to lift. They want to have some fun. They want to do all these things. Uh, and you know, when you play a game with pickup basketball, it can get a little, it can get pretty personal. It can get serious sometimes. It just does. People take it personally. Uh, but you're gonna call the police over a hard foul, and you're wasting their time. There are robberies happening. There are people who are getting abused. There are people getting murdered. There are people getting raped. I mean, so many awful things are happening out there. And you're taking time away from police officers so they can go address those issues. And this loser called the police because he took a hard foul at a pickup game at Lifetime Fitness or 24-Hour Fitness, wherever the hell this gym was. And you can actually see the photo here. Uh, the the person who took the picture, who's trying to describe who called the police, he has his arms folded up with a really angry face, like he's really pissed off. He, I mean, he's ready to want to. He wants to sue someone. He's hoping the police in the moment can charge someone without having to go to court or anything like that. Uh, just wants the the, the uh, issue to be resolved right there, and he can win some weird case. Like like he doesn't even understand how the law works to the point where he called the police over a hard foul in basketball. I, I, I don't get it. Like, what's happening to society? I mean, every time we do the penalty flag segments, I know this is not the penalty flag segment, but when we talk about topics like this, I tell myself, yeah, oh, man, this person is very dumb. I don't think I can find a dumber person. And then the following week, I find someone dumber. I, it, it just, like, every time I try to look up stories like this, uh, in, in this case, I didn't even look this up. I just saw this on my uh, my Facebook feed on Sports Illustrated. And I was just, I, I thought this was a joke. I, I thought this was actually from The Onion. I really did. Uh, but no, that's a real story. A real person called the real police at a real gym because of a pickup basketball game. Because of a foul. That's uh, what people are now calling the police for. I'll tell you what Blockbuster should be calling the police for. Pretty much robbing themselves. In 2000, they had a chance. Darren Rebel, uh, who of ESPN, does a great job uh, posting a lot of the business aspects of things. Uh, mostly for sports, but even non-sports sometimes. But man, Blockbuster just completely robbed themselves on this one here. They had a chance in 2000 to buy Netflix for $50 million today. Ravel reported that Blockbuster is down to only one store. Meanwhile, Netflix is worth 172, not million, but billion dollars. And you know what's so amazing to me is, you know, when you hear 172 billion dollars, that's not even the biggest takeaway for, for me. The biggest takeaway for me is the fact that Blockbuster even has a store out there. I honestly thought every single Blockbuster store out there was shut down. I know some gas stations, uh, a lot of grocery stores used to have Redbox. I believe a few still do, but not a lot. I know gas stations, I believe Quick Trip had something similar to a Redbox, but it was more associated with Blockbuster, but I don't think that lasted very long. I don't think a lot of people were using that service. And I think Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, a big reason for that. Uh, you, you can also rent movies from iTunes. And, and, and basically get your, you, know, you look at uh, DirecTV or uh, uh, U-verse, uh Spectrum. A lot of them have those on-demand options and you can watch movies for free. A lot of movies for free 
on there. So, and I know, you know, people now, the kids nowadays, they'll never know what it's like to go to a blockbuster to rent a movie or to rent a video game. I remember, you know, my, my parents would take my brother and I about every week or every other week, and we rent one game and one movie that we could agree on. And uh, kids these days are not going to know what that's like. Uh, not, not at all. Uh, but crazy to think that uh, they had a chance to buy Netflix for $50 million and they passed on that in 2000. Last story I do want to discuss. This was actually pretty cool. A would-be robber attempted to rob a Mexican restaurant. Uh, and when he's being violent in the moment and not, hasn't gotten physical with anyone yet. But he's pushing the cash register around. But someone sneaks up from behind with a chair. Not one of those folded chairs from WWE. We're talking about one of those open chairs. Uh, A man used the uh, four legs of the chair to hit him from behind. And that allowed uh, four other people to jump in and team up on this attempted uh, robber. uh, Pretty much taking him down. Another guy brings in a broomstick. Meanwhile, there's one guy in the background. He's just kind of watching, monitoring the whole thing. He does one of these things where he steps forward, making making it look like he'll help he'll help out, but then he just backs away because he doesn't want any part of it. But hey, there are five, six other guys who eventually join in, and so this is being taken care of. One person uh, brought in a broomstick and starts hitting the guy. Another guy starts punching the guy nonstop. And people in the comment section said that's excessive force. No, folks. When someone is showing signs of being violent, when they're throwing things around, you do anything and everything to take the guy down and do as much damage as you can. And when you do what this guy did, sneaking up from behind with a chair in this restaurant, I mean, if he didn't do that, someone could have probably gotten hurt. And we probably would be reading a story about how this man stole some money and hurt some people along the way in doing so. Instead, it's a story about people teaming up taking this guy down and the only person who was hurt from this was the attempted robber himself he was actually bleeding by the time police got there because they took him down pretty aggressively and they absolutely should have done that so good for all of these people and good for the guy with the chair who did so you know unfortunately we hear a lot about people getting robbed restaurants stores getting robbed and we need less of that and this is one of those stories where we see it the other way around Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Philadelphia Eagles fans re-celebrated their Super Bowl victory over the Patriots by blocking off a street. I'm guessing this is somewhere in downtown Philly. And they had a TV. didn't look like a jumbo size screen TV. It looked like one of those basic Sony TVs that people have in their living rooms. Uh, pretty much they had one of those in the middle of a street that they blocked off and the video that Bleacher Report posted, they are uh, showing the video uh, or, the, or the play rather, the touchdown play where Nick Foles caught the touchdown pass on that trick play right before halftime and as soon as Nick Foles catches the pass the Eagles fans in the streets are popping champagne bottles like they're shocked by this. It's amazing. It's the best thing they've ever seen. What are we doing here? What's happening? People are blocking off a street in Philadelphia to rewatch the Super Bowl. 
This is what people are doing with their free time. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm shocked. I'm flabbergasted. Like, you, you have the Super Bowl win, okay? I mean, you've got it. Bask in the Super Bowl for a couple of years. Even though the Royals are pretty bad, a lot of people are still in that Royals championship, especially younger kids, because they never forget those things. Uh, that championship fever in a city will, will, will be there. It won't die anytime soon. It'll be there for more than a year. Uh, no, no need to block off a street and pretend like, you know, you, you didn't know what was going to happen on which play and have champagne ready. It's just ridiculous. I don't get the point of that. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Another thing I don't get, Eddie Rosario hit himself with his own bat flip after he hit a home run. So you hit a home run. You're obviously happy about it. You do the bat flip. You hit yourself in the face. Hit yourself in the face. I mean, how do you let that happen? I don't know. Not exactly sure. And talk about hitting yourself in this one. Uh, David Beatty, the head coach for KU football, was asked during Big 12 Media Week what, uh, what win total he'd need this fall. His response, quote, I don't know, but I bet around Christmas time, we'll know. Boy, what a what an encouraging response, coach. By Christmas time, we'll know. By Thanksgiving, a month sooner, we'll know. Folks, I'm not I'm, I'm obviously not a former coach or former player or anything. But I know well enough that if a coach gives this kind of an answer, then at the end of the day, I don't know if this guy's the right coach for you. I really don't. Uh, I'm not saying that he should say that KU is going to go undefeated and go to a bowl game. I'm not saying that at all. But listen, this is a very bad program right now that's made no progress over the years. Give your fans a little bit of uh, reason to be optimistic at least. Instead of you know starting the countdown clock to basketball season once school starts, give fans a reason to go to football games or even watch or follow the team on the road. Uh, whether you want to go to the games on the road or you know, follow them closely from home. Give fans a reason for that. Don't give us this BS, oh, we'll find out Christmas. We'll know way before Christmas time. We're, all, we're in bowl season by Christmas time. It's going to be close to being over a couple of weeks after Christmas. Come on. Yeah, that was a very disappointing, as a KU fan myself, that was a very disappointing answer from David Beatty. And look, KU has a new athletic director. Uh, this is not a good start for David Beatty under that new athletic director to give that kind of an answer to the media. It, it's just not good. Uh, final thing before I sign off, this actually just came up on my news feed during this segment. Uh, and I, I had a brief second to, to take a look at all of this. Uh, so remember the Kareem Hunt incident, the first Kareem Hunt incident, uh, in Cleveland where he was accused of pushing a woman, uh, the woman claimed that he assaulted her. Uh, I guess some, uh, some of the body cams have been, uh, released, uh, some, 
some very interesting footage, by the way. Uh, one of them shows uh, two police officers talking to Kareem Hunt. Uh, it's obviously from the, the body cam of a, a third police officer there. And they ask for his name. He says Kareem. And they ask for some ID. And he goes to get it. But that's all, that's really all we re- really see from him. There's uh, footage of the police talking to Kareem Hunt's friends. There's also the woman who claims that she was assaulted. She tried to call 911, but Kareem Hunt had it, uh, had the, had her phone, and threatened to snap it in half. Uh, she was in tears while talking to police. Then she goes to the front desk of the hotel and requests to call 911 multiple times, but they denied her of it, and she claims... Uh, that the reason they would not let her call 911 is because they called her a slut. At least that's what this woman is claiming in this interview that you can see in the body cam. Uh, So, folks, listen. First of all, this girl's 19. She was, I guess, alcohol was involved. Um, And I'm not saying... One person is at fault, and one person is is the uh, is is innocent here. I think everyone is at fault involved here. And now there's no uh, there. The woman claims there is video footage of this uh, assault. Uh, I don't believe it's been shown yet. Uh, but this woman, uh, you know, first of all, she's 19. She probably shouldn't even be doing what. What she had attempted to do that night. Hang out with people and have some drinks with an older crowd. I think Kareem Hunt and his friends, it sounds like they tried to push her away as they found out. She, once they found out she was underage. Um, this is this is just, and again, I think they, they could probably maybe have handled that situation a little bit better as well. And listen, we know about Kareem Hunt. He was involved in another incident in Ohio uh, this offseason. That is still... Uh, we still don't know the uh, full story about that. Uh, but Cleveland police did say this case right here that happened in February, the first one, that case has been closed and no charges have been filed. However, this has not stopped the NFL from handing out punishments in the past. So we'll see what the NFL does about this with Kareem Hunt. Uh, and again, the NFL does take a very long time with incidents like this. So it may take a while before we even see a punishment if there is one for Kareem Hunt. So keep that in mind as uh, that's been uh, more details to that story has been released. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Vizuki and a big thank you to all of you once again for downloading and listening to the podcast, making this podcast part of your day. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button. Let your friends know about it. Interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzin Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. And email me as well. Farzin at FarzinVesugian.com. Hope you all have a great weekend. We are a week away from Chiefs training camp. So the next time we'll have a podcast. That'll be out on Wednesday, the 25th. Uh, I know I mentioned Thursday before, but instead it's going to be on Wednesday the 25th. We'll have an inconsistent schedule for August. Uh, But I will say, uh, for each podcast, I'll let you know when we will plan on releasing an episode uh, for the the following uh, episode, for the following week, essentially. Uh, But again, it will be an inconsistent schedule uh, for the month of August during the preseason, but we will have a more consistent schedule once the regular season 
gets underway, and I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about in these next few weeks uh, right before the season starts off. So the next episode will be out on the 25th, a day before training camp, and then training camp will be underway. I'm sure we'll have a lot of stories to talk about at that time. So stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, let your friends know. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week.